It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody, and oh boy, is it a great day to talk about some X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello. I'm very excited to talk about X-Wing. I am very excited for this episode as well. This is probably going to be one of the biggest episodes, certainly the biggest week of news we've had in a very long time. Uh, Of course, a ton of announcements coming out of Atomic Mass Games' mini extravaganza, which happened this past weekend. And we had a big presentation for X-Wing there called This Is The Way. And we got tons of new stuff, new releases, big changes coming to the game in the future, big changes coming to competitive play, a lot of changes coming to competitive play. Just kind of an insane amount of stuff to talk about. I think one could argue this is probably one of the biggest announcements since the 2.0 announcement. I, I think that's probably pretty accurate, honestly. But I think we have enough to talk about, so we should jump right in. So at AMG's uh, mini extravaganza, the This Is The Way presentation, which covered all this X-Wing news, got a lot of great details out there. Um, it was a panel that had uh, several members of the AMG staff, Will Schick, Michael Plummer, who are both heavily involved in X-Wing design and development, uh, Simone Elliott there as well, along with um, one of their art people, Preston Stone. I think he did like he does like the commissioning of the art. He had some. It was actually cool to see the emphasis on art. That was one little nice, um, you know, garnish on the what was an otherwise a really exciting event. Yeah, it's cool to see art that they use, kind of like before it becomes a card or becomes an upgrade or what have you. Um, just in the event that some of that art does get compressed or shaved off in order to fit the card templates. So, yeah, I agree. It was just cool to see some of that stuff. All around, lots of exciting stuff. Uh, They started off with the new releases, so I figure we should probably start there as well. Though I will say, we talked about this before the show, we wanted to get to that competitive news because there's so much exciting stuff there. We are not going to cover the cards in this week's episode. I'm sure most of you have seen those pictures, so you can start making up your own mind about that stuff. Um, But we do have to cover these new releases because they are pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, one that I'm really excited for, and we know we got this kind of teased or sort of <laughs> spoiled um, right before uh, the This Is The Way presentation, but the Razorcrest ST-70 assault ship was fully announced. Uh, we got to see, you know, pilots with the, the Mandalorian uh, plus the child crew. So really cool. Um, you know, definitely something we've all wanted to see join x-wing right since the mandalorian first released very excited about that one yeah it's been kind of a long wait too because we we know the production timelines actually talked about them a lot on this stream where it's you know 12 months minimum probably 18 or more to get these ships produced so yeah by the time the show was coming out for the first season we were all excited to get this ship but i kind of knew you know it's going to be at least you know a year and a half before we'd see anything and here we are just about two years later plus that i guess um uh, but we are finally getting this ship, and it's it looks pretty slick. I love the chrome aesthetic. I mean, I love the ship design, right? We all fell in love with it when we watched the show. So I do have to ask, is this the first time we've seen the full Namaker for what the Razor Crest is? I did not recognize ST-70, so I kind of assume that's the case. But My I'm sure only there's some... guess would be, like, Lego. Like, would they have the full one? Uh, can't confirm that they didn't. I have that set. Okay. <laughs> then I have no idea. Um, 
It's nice to know what it finally is, and it's a nice, boring Star Wars moniker, letters and numbers. ST-70 assault You say ship. boring. I was actually just going to say it sounds pretty cool. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I think it's pretty sweet. I don't know why that 70 just looks like really good there. It's just uh, something aesthetic there. Do you associate the quality of the like the alphanumeric code with how excited you are about the ship, though? Because like I don't think YT-1300 is cool, except that I love the Millennium Falcon. Right. Uh, so no, I no, 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 because that's that like the cool. gambler's ship, right, in, in 13. Um, a pretty lucky number, right? So I think that that does work pretty well there. Is it about lucky numbers then for you, Carson? Yeah, that's why here? the 2400 doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, <laughs> too Fair. even, too level. Uh, we also have uh, the announcement that they did not spoil is the Gauntlet Starfighter, which they have said is the largest um, size ship you could get in this scale for a large base without it going into Epic. Um, which they did not show off a piece of art with, but I think we can all imagine kind of the zone it would fall into. Which is pretty wild, because I feel like the Ghost, the Decimator, and the Lancer class are all fairly big models. Okay, John, our resident canon person, right? Is the Gauntlet bigger than those ships, or is just just their execution with the scale of it? Oh, no, it's huge. It's really okay. big. <laughs> like, I honestly... I'm surprised this is not an epic ship. It's huge. Okay. We also got, um, I mean, this is interesting. We'll cover this in the future, though, but we know this is going to be a multi-faction ship. Like, it looks like a lot of factions based on the um, colors in the card art that they released there. We know at least Separatist and Republic and more, right? Scum and Imperial, at least. Scum and Imperial, too. That's insane. Yeah, so we're going to have to ponder that. That's actually kind of interesting. We haven't seen anything quite like that in x-wing before i have thoughts but i'm gonna save them for when we review the cards (laughs) Ooh, if john has a strong opinion guys you're in for a treat whenever whenever we talk about we're gonna let that uh spicy take just simmer a little bit longer simmer a little bit longer it's not done yet put it back in the oven um it's lots of cool stuff so there'll be um lots of mandalorian content it looks like um not just for the show but just mandalorians in general uh we also know that we've got some card packs incoming for fang fighters and for the tie ln fighter which we know includes at least the rebel fen rao so which is interesting seeing a ship jump faction a little bit um that's that's interesting too but we'll cover all that hopefully we'll get some more spoilers here they're usually pretty good about kind of sending those out one at a time so maybe after this next wave launches, we'll get a lot more of that weekly weekly spoiler content. Um, one interesting point I thought about these new release announcements is they have said that this is the second to last wave coming. They said there is one more wave inbound, which will happen early next year. I believe all these releases they were hoping, barring shipping issues, right? Um, quarter one for all these Mandalore releases, and then one more in quarter two. And that will be the last of the Fantasy Flight games designs. Um, and then we're going to be moving into an era, presumably there's going to be a little bit of a gap, but we're going to move into an era where we're going to start seeing uh, AMG's designs that began at their studio and we're seeing all the way through there. So far, they've just been kind of like finishing up FFG's work. Um, it feels a little bit like an end of an era, though, guys, right? Yep. Uh, ex- yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, Fantasy Flight carried uh, this game for quite a while. Uh, and now now that gauntlet has passed to AMG. Um, but I, I am excited to see where they lead us. See, and you started to say exciting change, Carson. You cut yourself off, but I, th- I think that's true. And that doesn't necessarily mean like we have to be happy that FFG's work is done. Like they've done a lot for this game. They created it. They designed it. Um, but it'll just be super cool to see fresh and new content from a different team of developers come forward in the coming years. 
Yeah, I think that's a vibe I got from this whole presentation, too, was just kind of a sense of excitement, like, oh, we're going to get something that's really different, I think, in the future of X-Wing, which I'm excited about. Like, I'm ready for a shakeup here. We've had, you know, fundamentally very much the same game for coming up on 10 years now. Um, so it's going to be cool to get that, you know, fresh vision and some fresh designs into the game. All right, so we do have to talk about the organized play announcements because I was kind of surprised to hear anything about organized play. I, um, that did kind of surprise me, and and they provided a, quite a bit of information. Yeah, obviously they gave us some uh, heads up on what they're looking at for high-level competitive play, particularly the World Championships. Um, and the emphasis was, as you would expect, given the state of the world right now and the ongoing pandemic, um, their safety is safety is a top priority for them. So they want to make sure if they're going to run a large-scale event like that, particularly they said worlds, obviously, where we're expecting people to travel from around the globe, want to make sure they can do it safely. So at this point, they're not saying there isn't going to be a 2022 worlds, but they're just uncertain about what that situation is going to look like. Um, they are still saying, obviously, they're going to honor the world's tickets that were given, the slots that were given at the last world's. They just can't plan on anything in the future. Um, but they did say that is still something that they very much do value, and they do understand that it's important to X-Wing players. So I'm certain that as soon as they are confident that they can run this event, I expect them that they'll plan a, a pretty great world's. And as much as I love the event and love participating in it, like I'm okay waiting to make sure that we have like maximum safety insured, right? So I think 22 or even beyond, like I think to wait an extra amount of time to potentially even get a bigger payoff from that event is uh, not a problem by me by any standards. Right. So, okay, we can't do worlds this year, but looks like there's some pretty exciting announcements for Adepticon 2022. Uh, AMG said they are planning to be uh, in attendance with some cool events there. Yeah, and they emphasize it's going to be both some narrative play events and some competitive play events, which is cool. So um, Adepticon, not quite as huge an event as Worlds would be or some of the larger gaming conventions would be. Um, still a, a super fun event. We've each been to it. Um, well, I've been to it a couple times. John, how many times have you been into Adepticon? I've never been to Adepticon. You've never? Oh, we were going to go We were going to go last year, and then we couldn't. That was such a bummer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Hopefully, amongst other things. maybe we can all go next year. <laughs> That would be exciting. Um, yeah, so they're they're going to have an event there. I like, too, this is kind of a theme that we picked up on from this announcement event, too. Um, narrative play is going to be supported by them there. Um, I've seen this at tournaments before. They've done it at Gen Con, Adepticon. Usually people are running some little made-up side events um, that are themed, right? So if people are more interested in the theming of the game, that's great. Um, but to see that officially supported is really interesting and kind of, I think, indicates a shift in perspective we're seeing with Atomic Mass games for the game. Yeah, I think um, before, you know, we've had some narrative play at big X-Wing conventions, uh, but it has kind of been really a side focus. And, and that did not seem to be the message I was getting at all from this announcement. It really seemed to be, okay, yes, like competitive X-Wing is great, but we want to offer um, exciting experiences for players who also just aren't that into a competitive scene, right? But we love this game uh, and we want to play it at a big convention. Uh, well, the narrative play is going to be great, right? This has been um, around for a lot of other miniature games. Um, they've had, you know, pretty big narrative events. Um, and so I'm excited to see that be more of a part of X-Wing conventions. And yeah, I was going to point out too, like that has been their focus that they've said 
moving into their side of development on Legion, and they've done a really good job of narrative type stuff with Marvel Crisis Protocol. So I am excited to see what they bring to the table in terms of X-Wing and narrative play. And I'm imagining, so I've, you know, my first miniatures game was X-Wing, right? You guys have had a little bit more experience than me in the realm of playing others' miniatures games. Where would you guys, like, how would you say narrative play in those other games was important to you versus competitive play? Um, oh, I would say it's extremely important to me. Like, yes, I'm a big competitive X-Wing player, but I did not start that way. Um, I was very much more of a narrative gamer um, and, like, having this exist would have gotten me um, into like kind of the organized play scene much quicker uh, than I did for X-Wing. Yeah, I'd say I'm in the same boat. I mean, X-Wing is really the first and only miniatures game that I play competitively. You know, Carson and I have both played different iterations of Warhammer and I've played Legion and Crisis Protocol and probably too many other games, but I don't play any of them competitively. So having that narrative format makes it that much more interesting to play casually so i'm interested to see narrative play in x-wing not only casually but also how they incorporate some competitive play into narrative play as well right because i mean built into that is this idea of like you can have non-dogfighting non-destroy all your opponent's ships objectives for things which also sounds cool um and i'm excited for that too for all the people i want to play x-wing with who but who are not into just the normal dogfighting right they want the theming there i mean we have these beautiful ships already right so why not do you know what they say the the death star trench run or something so i like to see that officially supported too because there's just once you have actual design and development resources going into that there's some really cool stuff i'm sure you can do well and it'll be interesting so i know heroes of the aturi cluster was a pretty well-loved kind of fan developed thing in first edition i personally never played it um and i know there's some scenario play you can do in epic um but i think x-wing is one of those games where because narrative play wasn't really ever the focus i never really thought about it while playing it so for me all i really know of x-wing is competitive play so it, it's gonna be interesting to see and i don't know that like if they opened the game this way, like if X-Wing came out and it was all narrative, if I would be as interested, but we'll see what it looks like when it comes out. Yeah, I'm like not particularly concerned that competitive X-Wing isn't going to be there because I think they have made it, AMG has made it very clear that they understand how much players value like competitive dogfighting X-Wing. Um, so I very much expect what we see in support of narrative play will be in addition to what we get for competitive play. Right, and I, I think that's a perfect system, right? Because what you need to keep a competitive uh, gaming environment is keep bringing in new players. And narrative play, I think, is one of the best ways to do that. Well, and as they talked about in the stream, a big emphasis on what they're trying to do is to try and bring in new players, with their, especially with their upcoming organized in-store organized play kits. So uh, we know there's an upcoming Aces High in-store play kit we've all played aces high that did show up in the um the epic box um but this one brings in some interesting stuff so their focus for this event is on community building and bringing in new players keeping it accessible and fun um, which i will say organized play next wing has not been great at always um a lot of the emphasis goes on the competitive stuff so it's nice to see them explicitly say that this is about bringing in new players because that's so important to the health of a game 
I, the other fun thing, too, is that this format is going to come with uh, predefined pilots. So they spoiled um, that there's going to be these oversized tarot card-sized um, pilot cards that will not only have a pilot and an alt art, but it's also going to have the full loadout for that ship on the face of the card. So the example they gave us was Ayla Sakura. Um, and she's got outmaneuver, extreme maneuvers, afterburners, and R2-D2. So you've got everything you need to play. You just would need to basically provide the model in the cardboard. I do like this. So they had kind of done something similar when 2.0 launched in the form of some promos, right? Like I think they had tarot-sized pilot cards that did have some upgrades on them, but this to me feels more like a fleshed-out um, attempt at a different format almost. So this is, you know, you've got your pilot, and it's basically a quick build but they've kind of spoiled it maybe that these will be available in packs so you could just like open a pack of these and play a tournament in that format which i think is pretty interesting yeah especially like having the predefined options because like squad squad building i say squad building ship building for aces high is is fun because like you can do some cool stuff i almost wonder if it would be better if you have more of a standardized selection of pilots um, I'm kind of curious too about the rules for this. Like, can you have repeat pilots or is it more like here's eight defined pilots and part of the game is you get to pick which one you spawn with the first time, you know? Right. Well, if you just have a pack of these pre-made cards and, and all their components right in a box, that's basically just like a board game. Like, Oh, Hey, what do you want to play tonight? Well, let's play aces high. Right. Um, and I think aces high is one of the best ways to, uh, kind of teach the core components of X-Wing. The one caveat to that is I think the list building for it can be pretty complicated. So if we remove that element, hey, pick the pilot you think looks cool. All right, cool. Let's get started, right? Let's let's set a maneuver, um, do some actions, and roll some dice, right? And, and what I like about at least what they've spoiled with this Ala Secura card is that if you look at the upgrades that are on here, they are technically all legal upgrades for the ship that she's in. And I, I believe in the stream they might have made the comment that the builds might not necessarily be legal, uh, which was the case with some of the quick build cards that come in some of the ships. But it would be interesting to see how they integrate that as well. Like if the packs are just all, you know, quote unquote legal builds or if they will also include some illegal builds or how they'll balance that out. But it should be pretty interesting. Right, because I always want to play like Lulo in Aces High, but I can never get uh, that ship up to a high enough point threshold just because it doesn't have all the upgrades, right? So we can get some extra upgrades on Lulo. That would be awesome. We do know that uh, the Aces High kit was a design started by FFG, but now we actually have a piece of content developed entirely beginning in-house from AMG. So we know that the the organized play kit called the droids you're looking for uh was designed by michael Plummer, who's one of the people heading up x-wing design now um and this this one sounds interesting we don't have a ton to go on other than we know some droids it's a scenario where droids are left out both sides are trying to acquire them and they have concussion blasters and they're basically like playing soccer or what do they say kick the can um i don't know if anyone plays kick the can anymore that feels very antiquated and anachronistic um but yeah, this one sounds like a wild change to how you play. Whereas Aces High is very much a, you know, multiplayer free for all combat focus. This one sounds a little more like strategic trying to push something rather than just shoot each other. Yeah, it's hard to really parse, um, you know, just from the description they provided exactly what that scenario is going to be like. Um, but they all seemed really excited about it. Like they've definitely played it uh, and, and they seemed like, oh, this is this this sounds fun just from from their uh perspective i think it'd be cool too to have an event where 
if this is what I'm imagining it to be, an event that focuses on, like, really focuses on certain elements of X-Wing, not so much about, like, okay, what's the best offensive list building and, like, getting the best attack, but more just about, like, pure positioning and setting things up. Like, that sounds kind of cool. We're like, hey, maybe if that's what you're better at, this event will be better for you than just normal X-Wing dogfights. Right, and it, and if it is a little ridiculous, right, and there's a bunch of people around a few tables just laughing and having a good time, uh, well, then that's a pretty good way to give people to go, oh, well, what are, what are they playing, right? Oh, well, look at those cool models, right? And, and then that's how you get more people involved in your game, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and obviously they said the focus is on accessibility for these kits and bringing in new players, which is good for everybody, right? Because maybe a player starts here, even if you're a fan who really loves the competitive edge of X-Wing, um, it starts somewhere, right, for everybody. And if it starts here with Aces High or the droids you're looking for and that gets them into the competitive X-Wing scene, that's great. The more the merrier. All right, so we also had a ton of announcements that kind of impact the core of X-Wing. Um, we don't have a points update yet, so we know that's inbound here. Sometime this month, I think, was kind of the... I, I think they said sometime in September. So that's coming up here, which I actually appreciate that it's not out immediately after all this huge news, especially the stuff we're about to talk about, because that would just be a little too much to take in, even in a few weeks. I would rather they take their time and flesh it out than try to deliver some half-baked product on a date that was promised not even by them. So I'm okay. Right. At, at least they're communicating with us. <laughs> right. That's vital. Um, so some things about points we know, though. Um, one big one that I felt like I missed it the first time I watched the stream, but they said that they are no longer going to be updating the official squad builder. Did I, I heard that correctly, right? I had to re-listen to it. Wait, launch by next is going away? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting in that, like, they, they said the points are going to be officially held in the documents, the PDF documents, which feels maybe more akin to a normal miniatures game where you'd have a book or something that would spell these things out. All right. Yep. So this means we can officially uninstall the uh, official app, right? <laughs> Wait, you we still have it installed? I, uh, you know, just like to pretend at some point that uh, there would be a magic update uh, and it would suddenly be usable. You're a much more optimistic man than I, Carson. <laughs> John, there were fun typos in there sometimes that I really That's appreciated true. watching. I'll, I'll have an uninstall party. <laughs> um, I think at this point we can, like you said, John, we can really basically just officially endorse uh, Launch Bay Next. Um, fantastic application. It's the only one I really use for squad building. Yasby 2 is great too, but on desktop. Launch Bay next. Yasby's good on desktop. Launch Bay is good on mobile. Oh, so good. Those are the right. endorsements. Uh, right? Launch Bay for in-person X-Wing, Yasb for TTS, right? That, that's how it works. Boom. Right. Facts. Get the right amount. Yeah. Use, support them all, guys. We do know adjustments are coming to things like uh, Django Zam. Uh, Michael Plummer pointed out specifically they're looking at power level adjustments for stuff like that. And he did emphasize, too, that faction identity is important to him, which I always like to hear. It's just a question of, is that actually true in practice? But um, I'm optimistic with things going on right now, so... I'd love to see the factions really get their identities back because it's gotten pretty blurry over the years. Yeah, I think they started with some core identity and it's kind of faded over the years. And it's interesting because um, that that's mentioned in the points update because I think that's one of the ways that faction identity uh, does disappear. It's like, okay, we designed these cards, uh, but if they're not priced to see the table that often, um, then that identity does fade right and so the points update is certainly a way um to bring back some of those core faction identities 
And I think there's that age old saying, Carson, where if a, if a card doesn't see play, does it even exist? Does it make a sound? Uh, right. That's the dedicated example. Yes, exactly. Like that card doesn't exist. Like I know I have printed copies of it, but does it? We also know we're getting a big rules update. This one, um, maybe not perfectly clarified on the stream. So thankfully we got some clarification after the fact. Um, they did point out that the core of X-Wing needed a determinate endpoint, whereas, you know, the the standard goal of an X-Wing dogfight that you see in the base game is until all your opponent's ships are destroyed, um, as Will Schick was <laughs> eager to point out that theoretically that means a game of X-Wing could take the remainder of your life from whenever you start it if people don't engage. And, um, so we do know that officially the end of at least base X-Wing will be played over 12 rounds with options to choose a shorter, like, nine-round game or go up to 15 um, they had kind of identified, AMG had identified that 12 to 13 rounds seemed like a typical length in rounds for a game. So this now adds a final endpoint if you're playing the game. One thing they didn't clarify on the screen, stream, but they clarified later on during a paint stream, was that for competitive play, it will still be based on round timers. And, and I think this seemed to some people like a bigger update than it was. Um, and, and I think we forgot, okay, that 75-minute part that we're used to for competitive x-wing isn't in the rules document right that's part of the tournament um structure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people like oh my goodness how do we run tournaments right with with just uh a round count instead of a timer and and, and so that was kind of i think um a little bit of misinformation this past week of people not really paying attention to the stream and, and thinking about the context of, of how this was um announced right because i think AMG was pretty clear, okay, this is basically just going to affect right your kitchen table game of X-Wing, uh, where, you know what, at some point we need to have dinner, right, and end of this game, okay? <laughs> right, the salt shaker can't just be an obstacle the whole time, like we actually have to enjoy our meal. Um, so yeah, not a huge change here, and obvi- like if you think about it too, it makes sense that for a competitive environment where they have a finite amount of time in a day and they have to get through so many rounds, there absolutely has to be a timer, so... Um, Logically, it tracks that that would still be the way that competitive games are are tracked and scored round to round. Well, and it'll be interesting to see if that stays the format going forward. So I think of all the games I play, and maybe Carson can agree, I think X-Wing is the only one that doesn't have a round count that I play at least. Um, and, And that's in any format, really. So, you know, you've got Crisis Protocol and Legion and 40K and other card games and other tabletop games that for the most part have round counts and end after a determined amount of amount of time. Um, card games, not so much, but um, I will say with a lot of the other miniature games, right? Those round counts are based on scenarios, right? It's okay. We have a certain amount of turns, right? Which are measuring time to accomplish whatever task um, our scenario is setting. Right. And, and so without that, um, the round count doesn't feel as necessary. Uh, but if we are adding more of this narrative focus, well, well, then I could see that round count um, being implemented in, in other places, right? Okay, if we have a scenario where the rounds are designed around it, right, that would be a great place to implement a round count. Right, and we could get caught in the minutiae here too, where we don't, like, would there be, theoretically, if there is a timer competitively, could there still be a round count maximum? I don't know if X-Wing actually needs that right now because that's not really the, the way the game is tending. Um, but I don't want to get trapped in the minutiae here because we do actually have a lot of um, of competitive play announcements here. So I'm going to I'm gonna move us forward, guys, if that's all that right. That makes sense. No, this next. is yep. that's a no, small update. Let's hit the big a ones. A small update. Let's hit some big ones. So 
Big X-Wing news, arguably controversial, bid system has been eliminated. First player is now determined randomly. What this means, if you don't recall or haven't played in a lot of competitive events, typically the player who spent less points on their squad would get to decide who has first player. This is obviously hugely relevant if you're playing kind of high initiative ships where being able to move later than everyone else and have that board knowledge, that would be vitally important because if you can move last, you can operate with basically perfect board knowledge. That's kind of gone away now. You do not get a benefit from bidding points. In, actually, in effect, you get a penalty for not using all your points. And first players just determine randomly across the board. So at the start of the game, uh, it will be decided who gets to go first. And this has some pretty big implications for competitive X-Wing. Okay, yes. And, and I think um, it is going to be a big change. But I want to kind of counter and say this maybe won't change too much and, and bidding was maybe always random, <laughs> uh, but it will now give me some peace of mind. <laughs> and so what I mean by that is, okay, well, there's always a lot of factors going into who got to be the first player, right? Okay. How many points uh, did I not spend? Right. And how many points did my opponent not spend? Okay. Well, and at every tournament, right, there's a bunch of people who've, um, selected some number right for a bid between zero and I don't know <laughs> 20 or something um, and then it's okay who do we get paired with right that's going to determine um, you know what bids I'm going to win and, and not win right uh, and so there's kind of a lot of factors going on there um, and and now it's just a coin flip or, or die roll right right yeah I mean I and I think, yeah, it doesn't impact everybody, right? Because there were some list types that, you know, they were going to play 200 regardless, or they didn't care. Their initiatives were either divvied up enough or low enough that it didn't matter. Um, it is going to take away a layer of the metagame. Now, I think it's a fine thing to take away, but there was always that edge where, you know, in environments where you could run a bunch of high initiative aces, like a bunch of I6s or a couple I6s and an I5, the bid was important. Like, that would be a determinant factor on what upgrades you could take, where... If you knew the game was trending at like a five point bid, you would go six or seven, right? Well, so there so... was part of the the quote unquote the meta of the meta game that that would come into play, and that's going to be gone now. And, and I kind of want to push back on that because I think that's the player that this game will not change much for, um, right? So we're taking some ships that that do want to move last, right? They would enjoy winning that bid, uh, but they're at a point threshold where sometimes they're going to win it, right, and sometimes they're not. Uh, like I always take what I think is going to be just winning the bid by one or two, but then you get matched up the opponent that takes the next step further. And, and that seems to just happen pretty often. Um, I, I think as excellent players, we get kind of extreme about this bidding. Right. And so what is going to change for that player, right. That does like to take a small bid. Sometimes they win it. Sometimes they lose it is now they get to take an extra upgrade card or two instead. What, right. What's also going to change for, the players who never take a bid is sometimes they're going to win the bid. Right. And so we could take <laughs> right. Like an initiative five ship and with a bunch of, you know, initiative threes or ones. And sometimes right. That ship does get a move last uh, against some aces. Well, right. Cause it takes away one thing that you can kind of affect, right. Where you could bid to try and control first player, but then brings in a different factor where suddenly if that was something I utilized a lot, I can't rely on that anymore. And I have to change how I list build because of that. Right. Or I can't depend. Okay. I'm running a bunch of I fives. I'm not going to have any way to control whether or not I win that bid. Well, I have to factor that into what upgrades and even what ships I bring. 
do you do you guys think just like is this a good decision or do, what's your gut instinct like this is good for the game this is bad for the game i'm in 100 john's in, in. it's good <laughs> um, well and good is the keyword here right i think this change really emphasizes actually being good at the game it's no longer a race to the bottom and fly high initiative stuff you know you have the chance to go last or first so this actually promotes skill yeah it is it is easy to see where all of your opponent ships um have moved right and then decide where your barrel roller boost needs to go uh said a different way right if your list could only win if you were moving last maybe it wasn't that good of a list <laughs> and i'm guilty but, of it i'm primarily an ace player and i think this is a good change i, I i'm conflicted ironically in the sense of like okay well now if i'm in a game and i have high initiative ships and i did not uh and i got first player well i can blame the game on that like i had no control but if i lose the game and i didn't have first player and i was moving last it just makes it feel that much worse get good yeah <laughs> I, you are uh, right. Like, I think those are the defeats that have kind of sat with me the longest. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I I was moving second, and, and I I felt like that was a pretty strong advantage. But uh, my opponent really, you know, found a way to take that advantage away, right, and make it kind of meaningless. And, and skilled players are really good at doing this. Another change, not quite as huge as the bid system, but one that um, I've heard people theorize this for a long time as a, as a way to help the game. Deficit scoring is not going to be a part of uh, X-Wing, where basically what that means is any points you don't spend towards your squad total of like 200, um, those are immediately conceded to your opponent as if they had destroyed an equivalent asset, right? So if you if you didn't spend eight of your 200 points at the start of your game, your opponent already has eight points ahead of you. Um, and this is being added to the game in addition, obviously, to the removal of the bid system. Um, how do you guys feel about this addition, especially in light that people are now kind of discouraged from taking bids? There's really no I'm benefit in. to it. <laughs> Call me in again. <laughs> now I don't have to have that conversation with myself about trying to leave upgrades that would probably give me an edge on my ships off simply to have the point advantage to go first or last. So now it's just I can play whatever I want and roll for it and hope for the best. Yeah, this seems like a formality uh, to the removal of the bid system of, look, guys, just spend 200 points, spend exactly 200 points. That's all we're asking here. That seems to be the message. Well, and the logic of it kind of makes sense, too, because there still would be an advantage, theoretically, to taking a bid because you could basically hide those points from your opponent, right? Or if I don't spend 10 of my points, my opponent cannot get those until they destroy all of my ships. Um, Now, in most cases, I feel like there's enough upgrades options in x-wing now where like it's not like you're gonna not have an upgrade in most cases to fill out those points you're Spoken just gonna have like to put a it true mid-range player <laughs> you're just gonna have to put it yeah, i guess if i don't have enough ship options um you're just gonna have to put those points somewhere so that your opponent has access to them without having to destroy every ship you have right there might be some like triple ace players or, or especially like two ship players are like i can't i've taken all the upgrade slots right um and, and so those players might feel the impact of this uh mid-range players efficiency players there's always upgrade slots right? there's always something yeah <laughs> that uh felt like an attack i feel attacked <laughs> why you gotta target me like that you might get annoyed though by the asymmetry of it because like it might be a case where like you have to put upgrades on like one or two of your six to eight ships right i never want to hear the statement put upgrades on your six to eight ships ever <laughs> again fair enough Garbage. Um, I, 
I think this change is good. Like generally, um, I'm kind of surprised they went as far to eliminate the bid system first before just like starting with deficit scoring and then working their way there. But at the same time, I respect it as like, you know, a big shift here is a, is a fresh look on competitive play. And I like something that makes the whole player base rethink how they play the game. Right. No, they could have tiptoed into this. This was a big step. Hey, this is something we've identified. It's not kind of great, right? It's kind of an old scaffolding relic. Um, when this game kind of jumped into organized play when we needed a, a way to determine who went first. Um, and it's kind of just existed ever since, right? But never were like, okay, this needs to exist. Um, and so I like, okay, fresh eyes, right? Look at the game and say, you know what? We, we could do without this, right? And so that's one of the advantages of having a new studio is you get that new perspective. And yeah, I think we all seem pretty excited about getting rid of this. Um, one of the things I think that... You didn't really mention it as a kind of a big benefit. This game has a lot of upgrade cards. Um, you know, when we look at a new product. Yes, there's some pilot cards that get added, right? But a lot of those cards are upgrade cards, and we don't see too many upgrade cards being taken in lists. And and uh, that bid, I think, is a huge reason for that. Why would I get a little upgrade when when I get a big advantage for moving last, right? Yeah, that's really interesting too because suddenly it's like it's kind of like a boost to just every cheap little kind of minor upgrade card where suddenly like yeah, why wouldn't you take that? Like yes, it costs 2 or 3 points and it the benefit isn't huge and like the benefit like you were saying, the benefit of going last was a lot more valuable. But now it's like yeah, there's no reason not to. Like suddenly I think we'll start to see a lot more of those little cheaper little add-on upgrade cards get used. Right. And even, um, you know, in the fewer ship builds, you might look at, okay, well, this is the most points, right? And I want to make sure I hit 200 uh, and don't have to add in like a third ship. Well, so let's, uh, let's get that Luke Gunner, right? Let's go for it. Luke Gunner's back. Carson said it officially. Yeah, I, I, it's really not the benefit I was looking for, right? But like all those little talents and, and maybe taking some more weapons on ships, like I think that's going to make lists feel more dynamic, personalized. Um, and just kind of overall more more fun to play with and against. Well, and I think what the deficit scoring does too is it opens up a bigger window for new upgrades to be used more because I feel like people more often than not will opt to include something that is tried and true rather than try something new unless there's a very obvious reason why it's super good before it's even out of the box. So it makes me excited for potential future products where they could spoil a card and then people are going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to play that and because I need to have upgrades and it'll be fun rather than, you know, trying to get to a certain point limit instead. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just so many cards that, you know, have been printed that weren't as good as a bid, right? Um, but now that we don't have to worry about the bid, they'll be good enough. And I think I'm excited to, to use those cards. Uh, guys, you know what? I'm looking at the time right now, and we have recorded... We're at the upper edge of what a Radio TCX episode should be, and we've still got a lot to talk about. We've got... They mentioned a hint at sideboarding for X-Wing. Banned and restricted list, that's a big one. We've got a bunch of new stuff coming out in the future, standard squad packs. Um, but we are at time for our normal episode. I think we're going to have to delay the rest of our discussion into next week's episode. All uh, yeah, I guess so. Does that make sense? It was kind of ambitious to to try and get all this in in one episode, and, and we didn't want to like just kind of brush through anything too quickly. We don't want to just oh yes, this this happened right and not talk about it. So 
Um, I think it's probably better to save those for, for when we can dive in a little bit more. Plus, we still do have to talk about right the Razor Crest and, and the Gauntlet a bit more, right? Talk about those cards that are spoiled. Yeah, so I think we're going to call it right here, though. We've still got more to talk about, though. Man, I'm excited to discuss a lot of these to you. Like the banned and restricted list, that's an interesting topic. Um, that will come soon, though, folks. Uh, we're going to call it here for this week's episode since we're already probably you've you finished your commute now and you've made your way to work. Um, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Plus, while you're there, share with us what you're most excited about from the recent X-Wing news. Please consider going on iTunes and leaving the podcast a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us, and thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, again, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>